everyone, and thanks for joining us for another episode of A Story Worth Telling, the podcast where we take a look at some of the greatest stories you've never heard and some of the ones you have, and what they have to teach us about life, love, God, and everything in between. And this is episode number four. I hope you guys are enjoying listening as much as I am recording these. And today's story, I felt, was timely for where we are as a country here as the United States and certainly had a lot to do with what we've seen going on in the news and in politics. And it has a lot to do with the date of today's recording. Today is April 9th, 2021, and it is actually the 156th anniversary of the surrender of Robert E. Lee and the Confederate Army of Northern Virginia. And many historians will say is, for all intents and purposes, the official surrender of the Confederacy. There were a few skirmishes uh, for another year or so until the official surrender, but it was something like 28,000 troops that were surrendered on this day, and so uh, pretty much systematically ended any chances that the Confederacy had. And so many teachers will point to April 9th, 1865 as the day that the Confederates officially surrendered and lost. And I wanted to talk about this particular story because I think it's just rich with meaning and so many little things that as I did my research, I was, I had no idea. I had never heard before. Um, And I think maybe most of us know that the official site of the surrender was in Appomattox Courthouse, Virginia, and that Robert E. Lee and his troops had been uh, pretty much surrounded by Grant and his forces. Um, in fact, General Sheridan, one of the Union generals, had taken 6,000 prisoners right down the road at Sailor's Creek, and every day more and more of Lee's soldiers were deserting and disappearing. Uh, by April 8th, he was certain that he was surrounded and that there was no possibility of escape. The Union troops had actually outrun him and flanked him so that there was no hope of him getting out or getting supplies. And so on April 9th, General Lee sent a message to Ulysses S. Grant announcing his willingness to surrender. And they wanted to find a neutral meeting ground that would be safe for both armies. And so they had scouts go out and they actually found the home of a one Wilmer McLean. And as I researched this story, I mean, his story is pretty significant too. Wilmer McLean actually used to own a home in Manassas and that for any of you history buffs, you know that Manassas uh, is in Virginia and was actually the site of the first battle of the Civil War, the Battle of Bull Run. And it actually took place on Wilmer McLean's farm, basically in his front yard. And here we are, four years later, 1865, and they are going to use the parlor of his house, his living room, for the official surrender of the Confederacy. And 
He often said afterwards that the Civil War began in his front yard and ended in his front parlor. I mean, what are the odds? But he agrees to allow them to have this ceremony there in his living room. And General Robert E. Lee arrived a little after one o'clock. He was dressed in his full officer's uniform, neatly pressed, uh, impeccably dressed. Uh, He was equipped with his ceremonial officer's sword, dressed in the nines. And about 30 minutes later, Ulysses S. Grant arrived in his muddy field uniform, and the two discussed terms. Lee basically had three desires. He wanted his soldiers fed, about 25,000 of them that were starving at this point. And so he wanted them to receive food. And for his officers, he wanted to be sure that they would be able to keep their sidearms and to keep their horses. You see, unlike many of the Union generals, his Confederacy generals were riding on their own personal horses, and they were going to need them should they return home for the upcoming season to plow and take care of their farms. And so he wanted them to be released, uh, pardoned, and sent home with their private property. And Grant agreed to all of these demands, and the two of them sat down to write out the demands officially. Most sources will tell us that the meeting took about an hour and a half, and after they had written terms and signed all of the necessary parole forms, they came out of the house of Wilmer McLean, and a band that had kind of congregated to uh, the occasion began to play, and they were immediately hushed by General Grant. He stopped them from playing, and said, the war is over. These men are countrymen again. And they'll say that General Lee actually, at this point, tried to surrender his ceremonial sword to Officer Grant, but that he refused to take it. And the Confederate soldiers were sent on their way to their homes, In fact, they even wrote into the conditions that they would be allowed to uh, take free transportation on any Union railroads, any Union ships, um, to go in peace and get back to their homes. And, I mean, I think it's pretty clear that there's obviously a lot of problems with the Civil War and certainly the reasons for fighting it to begin with, but... As I read about the end of, I mean, the greatest loss of American life on American soil in in any war, I was taken by this story because it kind of hits a little close to home, honestly. As we look around at our own country here in 2021, 156 years later, there have been a lot of parallels drawn to the division and the fractured nature of where we are as a country. I mean, I I know we throw these terms out flippantly sometimes, but it feels pretty divided. And, man, what a time in our country when, I mean, brother and brother were fighting on opposite sides and 
families were split over issues that were super important to where they stood morally and where they stood politically. I mean, these issues, some of them seem a little bit strange to us here and now, but they were super important issues of the day. And right or wrong, both sides felt very strongly about their own side. And I mean, Robert E. Lee, you take him, he, he didn't have any particular leaning towards slavery, certainly wasn't pro-slavery, but was pro-Virginia and felt it was his duty to stand with his state when they seceded. And man, more than anyone that I've ever read about paid the highest price. His home in Arlington, Virginia was actually seized by the United States government and used as Arlington National Cemetery. So that kind of as a punishment for what he had done that Lee could never return home. And in fact, he never did. He never stepped foot on the grounds of his home ever again. And I certainly don't understand all of the reasons for their decisions, but I do understand feeling like you want to stand up for your beliefs. And I see a lot of that on Facebook, a lot of that on social media, a lot of that in coffee shops, people standing up for their beliefs. And you know what? That is one of our great freedoms in this country for you and I to both believe what we believe and have the right and the protection to voice our beliefs and our opinions. But as I thought about this moment in history and I thought about today, I thought about the parallels of where they would go from there in just a matter of moments and just a few signatures on some documents, the last four years of bloodshed and war and atrocities was over and a broken and fractured nation was left trying to find wholeness, trying to find what tomorrow look like. And I think that they understood, just like we understand today, that maybe things would never be the same. That there may not be the possibility that they could ever go back to the way that things used to be. But that with cooperation and with understanding and with grace and mercy for each other, that they might find their way into a new tomorrow. And who knows, maybe even tomorrow could one day be better. As I thought about this story, I thought about these cups that I have that were given to me as a gift. And it's a black one and a white one, and they're essentially teacups. But at one point, or another, somewhere in their history, they were actually broken into several pieces. And instead of throwing them out, what somebody did was they took them and they glued them together with this beautiful golden lacquer paint. And so if you were to see them, you'd see that they have these lines going down throughout the bottoms and the sides of the cups that are filled with this kind of golden paint, these beautiful golden lines kind of running through them. And this actually is a Japanese art called Kintsugi. And 
It's the idea that it's their imperfections that make these teacups so beautiful. And that this belief in that there's nothing so broken that it can't be made whole again and even better for it. And every time I look at these cups, I'm reminded of my own imperfections. I'm reminded of all the areas that, uh, that I failed as a husband, as a father, as a Christian man. And reminded that in my failures, in my weakness, that I serve a God who promises to be strong. I think about my friend Paul in scripture when he begs God one time, two times, three times, God, would you take this thing away? The Bible isn't clear what it is, but it's something that obviously bothers him enough to come to the Lord time and time again in prayer and says, would you take this thing away from me, this this weakness, this struggle that I have? And he says, yes, God, three times and three times God responds that my grace is sufficient for you. And my strength is made perfect in your weakness. And right now, maybe our country doesn't feel as strong as it used to be. Maybe it feels a little bit broken. Maybe you feel that with even your families. I know that with pandemics and and presidents and, and all of the stuff that we're seeing on the news that... I've even had arguments with my own family about issues. It's my prayer that whatever state you find yourself in today, that you'd be encouraged that there's never something so broken that God can't make it whole again. That in picking up the pieces sometimes, that's the only way that we find peace ourselves. And that there is a way forward. I gotta imagine for these men as they got on their horses and headed back home after giving four years of their life to this cause that they thought, how could things ever go back to normal? How am I just supposed to go back to living? And yet, they found a way. And it gives me hope that as divided as sometimes I feel we are as a country, that there is a tomorrow and there is a way out of it. And it just takes having grace and mercy for each other, understanding that we have different opinions and that's okay. And understanding that at the end of the day, whichever side you find yourself on, on an issue that these men now our countrymen again and it's up to us to invite them back and treat them like we would anybody else thanks so much for joining me today I hope you remember that today is a story so make sure it's a story worth telling